We're back. And in understanding one of the most important threats we're facing at the moment against which we must protect our country, I'm delighted to have back with us Dr. Peter Vincent Pry. He is a man with very extensive experience in our government at the Central Intelligence Agency, where he was an analyst on Capitol Hill, where he was a professional staff member. He's been a staff member and staff director of commissions created by the Congress, including on strategic forces, and also on the threat of electromagnetic pulse. He is a voluble contributor to the public policy debate, both in his periodical writings and his books, uh, one of the most recent of which is Blackout Wars, uh, also The Power and the Light. Um, Peter is a member of our Committee on the Present Danger China, a valued member of our team, and we're always delighted to have a chance to catch up with him. Welcome back, Dr. Pry. Thank you so much for having me, Frank. Peter, you contributed mightily to an important webinar that our Committee on the Present Danger China sponsored last week. Uh, People can check it out, and I hope they will, at presentdangerchina.org. Your piece of it in particular talked about um, the kinds of capabilities that the Russians have uh, put into place at the moment. And the kinds of capabilities that we have uh, been essentially uh, preserving uh, for decades uh, without doing much to modernize. Let's start with the Russian order of battle at the moment, which is particularly um, important to understand as we are looking at a heightened alert status, we're told, by uh, Vladimir Putin, uh, in the midst of this uh, invasion of Ukraine. Uh, for starters, perhaps we could talk about the problem that most of these forces, it seems, um, are on a high level of readiness all the time and could, in fact, be utilized without warning. Yes, that's right. Their, the condition, their equivalent of DEFCON 5 is constant combat readiness you know, where their forces are ready to launch in a few minutes. Most of Russia's strategic nuclear weapons are on intercontinental ballistic missiles, you know, which are over 95% ready to launch in a few minutes all the time. And so the thing that could put them at an higher, higher readiness level and put us closer to nuclear war is the National Command Authority in the person of Vladimir Putin declaring, you're going to a higher alert There are things they can do that are largely invisible to us, like they stop communications exercises, they put on their earphones, and they wait to get emergency action messages. uh, And so those forces... Those would be launch orders. Yes, that's right. Launch orders, targeting information, which can all be done in about three and a half minutes, uh, invisible to us. So this idea that we don't see movements in their strategic posture that would indicate a heightened, uh, heightened readiness is either a lie coming from the intelligence community or an attempt to cover up the fact that we're, we are on the brink, that Biden's Ukraine policies have brought us to the brink. You know, even their ballistic missile submarines don't have to put to sea. Uh, most uh, they have, uh, even they are armed with intercontinental ballistic missiles deliberately so that they can strike the United States from port. Their submarines that are, in, are at sea are usually in the bastion areas where they can be protected by the Navy and they have command and control communications cables on the bottom of those bastion areas in the White Sea of the Sea of Okhotsk, where they can connect into that. And again, invisibly, without giving indicators to us, prepare for a surprise attack. And this would enable Russia to 
launch uh, most of its nuclear weapons. The only part of their triad that's visible and noisy to us would be the bomber force. And that's the least unlike us, you know, where we put greater emphasis on bombers. You know, that is the least important part of their force. It has the fewest warheads and they would probably deliberately not mobilize it so that we would misconstrue their readiness to launch a surprise attack. Peter, this falls into the category of thinking about the unthinkable, uh, a, a delusion that we've indulged in in our country for decades, I think it's fair to say. Um, the Russians have clearly, under Vladimir Putin, thought a lot about this, uh, not only taking the preparations that you've talked about, but Putin himself has presided over, I have no idea how many, but quite a number of strategic exercises in which the Russians have simulated attacks by their own forces to some extent uh, in combination with Chinese forces against the United States uh, using these kinds of nuclear capabilities you've just enumerated. Talk about um, what that suggests about Putin's attitude towards uh, nuclear war fighting. Uh, Is it the case that he believes as uh, we've been told uh, by successive American governments uh, that nuclear war cannot be won and certainly must never be fought. Well, the Russians certainly don't believe that. Vladimir Putin clearly doesn't believe that because he's invested so much of Russia's scarce resources in building up not only the capabilities to offensively wage and win a nuclear war, but also to survive one. Now, unlike the United States, Russia has the uh, most robust Uh, missile and bomber defenses in the world. They've got 10,000 SAMs and anti-ballistic missiles. They're dual capable. Surface-to-air missiles. Yeah, they can carry nuclear and conventional warheads to stop our missiles and our bombers. They've got thousands of uh, nuclear-hardened bunkers for civilian and military uh, population and uh, uniquely have what the Pentagon calls deep underground shelters. That's their official name that are hundreds of meters underground in solid granite inside of mountains. They can, they are impervious to nuclear attack and they are like small cities. They can accommodate one, just one of them. Uh, for example, uh, uh, can accommodate 30,000 military political leaders. And, uh, and this is not just inherited from the Soviet era. Uh, you know, uh, Russia. Peter, we're also told by the way, that uh, Vladimir Putin may be in one of those bunkers at the moment. Uh, do you credit that report? Yes, he and his general staff have uh, largely disappeared from view. They are probably down in one of these bunkers. We don't know which one. Uh, uh, and uh, some of it, there have been reports that elites have been flying out to the Urals, and they are probably in places like Yamantau Mountain, which is a city-sized underground facility. We don't know entirely its function, but it can accommodate a population the size of a small city. And then there's the Kavinsky Mountain General Staff Command Post, also in the Urals, that's impervious to nuclear attack. That is an enormous underground nuclear facility. So they are postured to fight and win a nuclear war. They're postured to strike first uh, to reduce as much as possible our retaliatory capabilities. And they could greatly reduce our retaliatory capabilities with a combination of EMP, cyber warfare, and direct kinetic attacks by, by nuclear weapons. Yeah. Peter, I want to come back to that, but just uh, one more question about this uh, relocation to the Ural Mountains. I'm told that there have been large numbers of flights uh, from Moscow 
to the mountains uh, and that families as well as leadership figures may have been dispatched uh, out there as well. Again, how would this fit into a nuclear war fighting strategy if that's in fact what the Russians have in mind? Yeah, if that if those reports are true, uh, you know, it indicates that we could be very close to the edge of a nuclear war, uh, you know, because it means they're protecting their political and military elites, including their families, uh, because they either intend to escalate or 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 see the possibility of escalating by launching a first strike against us as an increasingly real possibility, a very real possibility, uh, or they are uh, have are misinterpreting some of the uh, uh, inappropriate language that President Biden has been u- using recently about regime change and about uh, the United States jumping into the war in Ukraine, uh, uh, and in their paranoia, feared that the United States might try to beat them to the punch and launch the first strike, which they see as a real possibility. They believe they've they've had a long history of being surprised and attacked by their adversaries, and the possibility of miscalculation is at least equally grave as the possibility of a deliberate planned nuclear first strike from Russia. Right. We're going to get into all of this in a, in a moment after a short break, Peter. But before we get there, I just wanted to ask you very quickly, um, to the extent that uh, we're talking about a doctrine of using nuclear forces, um, Putin, as I understand it, has called it escalate to de-escalate. Um, whether it's at the tactical level uh, in a place like Ukraine, perhaps, or whether it's at the strategic level, this seems to be enshrined now into uh, the Russian war planning. Is that correct? As you see, yes, that is correct. And they've they've uh, and they've played this many times under various scenarios. Uh, uh, I would point out the uh, that the escalate to de-escalate. Uh, scenario that most people are talking about. And in the West, uh, I, I am pleased to see that more people are suddenly waking up. Even the woke are starting to waking up waking up to the possibility of the use of tactical nuclear weapons in Ukraine. And so they wanted to uh, deter, deter that. Uh, but under current conditions, that could be a more optimistic scenario if what we're being told is true, and I'm not sure it is, about the Russians losing the war in Ukraine, that they're doing so badly, that there's the threat of regime change from within, a revolution against Putin. If Russia's situation is really that desperate, as Theodore Roosevelt said, the only sin is soft hitting. You know, it's less likely that their de-escalate to de-escalate strategy would involve tactical nuclear weapons, and it's more likely that they would go to the big show, to roll their Peter, I'm sorry to say we are out of time. There's so much more to talk with you about. I particularly appreciate the clarity that you bring to these issues of the planning, the capabilities, the intentions as best we can divine them of uh, Vladimir Putin at a moment when an awful lot of loose talk is taking place about um, changing regimes or uh, even the prospects of uh, a tactical nuclear strike. Um, these are the times that tried men's souls, as it's been said, and we'd best be alive to the distinct possibility that uh, this particular enemy may well decide if he is not properly deterred to believe that it is possible to fight and win 
a nuclear war with the kind of capabilities he has. We'll be coming back to you, Peter, next week for much more on all of this. Thank you for your time today, my friend. Godspeed and your good work. Next up, we'll speak with Joseph Bosco right after this.